welcome to the 283rd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on May 7th, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who is currently well-fed, Carlos Rodella. Yeah, I had dinner before we recorded. Very unusual turn of events. You're usually starving, and neither one of us had dinner before the show. Except tonight, I just got done eating. You got eat, done eating too, right? Yeah, although last time we did this, the show was a little slow. Well. <laughs> because I, we're full. I mean, I guess this is like the pre-nap episode or something. I mean, I you know, I it depends on what you eat, right? Like, I mean, not to get like too far into this, but like, you know, certain things, you feel okay. And certain things, you got to like immediately nap. I don't know what you had. I had some... Uh, very delicious barbecue chicken, some onion rings, and uh, grilled corn. And I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty okay right now. I don't feel too tired. What, what I don't you feel have? yeah, I don't feel too tired. But it just seems like I think if we're like if we're hungry and like we're anxious almost, it's like the episodes are better because we're, we're like just like rushing through it so we can get some sustenance. Yeah, we're like fire, firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just had like chipotle chicken with some crackers. I have a very light snack dinner sometimes. All right, yeah. Um, and so I feel yeah, the food isn't getting to me, but. I feel like later on it's going to somehow make us slower, but we'll see. Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, okay. So I guess now that we're done with the dinner portion of this podcast, let's <laughs> get down to what we're here for. Um, gosh, it's so weird because we're recording on a different day. We're recording at a different time. We both have eaten. I feel like it's so strange that like all these things that are happening that don't usually happen when we record. I feel like I'm a little bit out of my groove here. I know. You know what we're going to call this uh, episode? What? Uh, write it down. It's gonna be the strange cast. The strange. I was thinking the weird cast. So we were on the oh, same track. Oh well, either there. one. I like. I like either one. You can pick which one. We'll do. But, we'll do yours. And <clears throat> and the games that I picked were we are weird kind of. Uh, and I don't know what you picked. I forgot. But um, or I don't know what you have. And yeah, and I have some weird housekeeping. So. This is, yeah, maybe it is the weird cast. It is the weird cast, I think. All right, let's get this weird cast underway, and we'll end up seeing how weird it is. Folks, as regular listeners know, uh, and if you're a new listener, I'm about to tell you, uh, Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a roll of duct tape, a giant strip of silver duct tape. It's very oh, sticky. Oh, I didn't know it was silver. I've always imagined it being silver. What did you think of it as? Black? I it was blue, like like your old school, you know. Blue. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I've always thought it was silver. Whenever I think of duct tape, I think silver. But I guess it could be. Well, tonight, it's blue today. We we took out the old strip and put a new strip. It's blue. Go. In honor of Carlos. Uh, I got like, uh, looks like three things, which is like an all-time high for me. Carlos, what do you got this week? I have three things, too. So because it's the weird cast, let's do one, and then you do one, and I do one, and you do one. I don't know if I can handle that much weird. That's pretty weird. Let's do it. It's All different. right, let's do it. You go first. So my first one is uh, Death Trash developer Stefan or Stefan or Steven. I don't, I don't know. know. How he's, I, I'm Whatever not he sure. finds to be the most respectful. We're going to say, I'm going to say Steven. That's how it's uh, spelt. Okay. Um, he was on, on Twitter and tweeting and I was, you know, I always follow his stuff because I want to play more Death Trash all the time. But he tweeted, um, and this is a quote, the timeless quality of 2D art. Ultima 7 looked great to me 30 years ago. It still looks great to me today. And that's like after my heart because I Ultima Seven's my favorite. You're Mr. Ultima game ever, yeah. And so I like replied to it and also added Richard um, Garriott who made Ultima. Taggle uh, Rich in. I had to tag him. Come on. And I just said something like, "Yes, it's my favorite game of all time," and just you know gushed about how good it is. But he he enjoyed uh, added a screenshot and yeah, it's beautiful. You know, like certain pixel art and certain kind of like 
simplified graphics uh, can stand the test of time, and Ultima 7 sure does. Oh, yeah. It's all about, like, artistry, man. I mean, you can take anything, any kind of medium, but if it's really well done, I think people will be able to see the value in it no matter what. Like, I mean, you know, pictures from a million years ago by artists in a different medium, like, you look at them and still see the beauty. Same thing with, like, video game art. I mean, certain things are just beautiful no matter what, right? Like, I think that is definitely a testament to artistry. And the other piece of that real quick is that the other reason why I love that game so much is at that time, it was one of the first games that like let you pick up so many different objects, which I probably have said on this podcast before, but it was good art and you could, you know, everything was like, you could make everything out. Like here's a little fork on a plate and, and the plates on the table and you could like pick up all those objects separately. Right. And so that made that whole world much more believable, even though it was like simple graphics. Yeah, I mean, I never played it, but I can I definitely remember like the games that were around at that time. And in comparison, that was definitely like a step forward for sure. Oh, yeah. And it had NPC, um, you know, jobs and stuff. So like people yeah. would go to bed and they go to work. And again, this is like a long time ago. And all of a sudden they were doing all that stuff that certain games today today still don't do. So, yeah. Shout out to Steven, I'll say. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably will listen to this. So let me know how you say your name. Uh, but shout out to you for doing that awesome tweet. Right on, right on. Uh, I will go next. Um, I was sent a PDF version of a book that I believe either just came out or is about to come out. It's by author Kate Hannigan. It's illustrated by Zachariah Ohora. It's called Blips on a Screen. Uh, And this is a book which is meant for children. And it is about uh, the life and times of Ralph Baer who is one of the, you know, grandfathers of the video game industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's done in a really cool art style. It's kind of like comic book style. Uh, where there's like lots of illustrations. Every page is just like bursting with like characters doing things. And it really goes into his um, history. I gave it to my son to read because it's kind of like, you know, meant to be at a, a kid level. Like it's not a grown up book or anything like that, which is totally fine. Um, and he read it and he thought it was really, really cool. Um, now, I interesting story. I gave it to my son and I'm like, okay, so look, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. I need you to give me like your full, like, you know, quote unquote book report version so I can talk about it effectively. He's like, yeah, no problem, dad. Cool, cool, cool. So I gave it to him. Uh, he read it, and then uh, he was off doing something today. So I sent him an email real quick. I'm like, hey, so tell me about that book. I got to talk about it. Like, was it good? And he's like, it was good. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, son, you're leaving me hanging here. So I flipped through it myself really, really quickly. Um, my son really liked it. I did talk with him afterwards. He said he really liked it. And I believe, I could be mistaken, but I believe Ralph Bear, like, like he was like, uh, emigrating away from the Nazis when that was happening in World War II, came to America, just really like worked with some of the beginning technology. Uh, they talk about like Pong and getting that started off the yes. ground. And I mean, like the old, 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 really, really very basic beginnings of the video game industry. I mean, if you know anything about games, if you've done any kind of game history, you probably have heard Ralph Bear's name uh, many times. Uh, but it's it's a really cool book. I think it takes a really key part of video game history, condenses it down in a really approachable fashion that I think even kids who don't really care about game history will find approachable and just really interesting uh, because my son doesn't really care a lot about game history, but he thought it was a great book. So shout out to Kate Hannigan and Zachariah O'Hora blips on a screen. It's either out now or it's about to be out. And I think it's really cool. So check it out for yourself. And if you got a kid who loves games in your life, maybe uh, pass it their way too. I want more of those types of books because we have to like preserve history, especially about video games. uh, When a lot of the games themselves won't, won't be preserved. Um, and I think that's a good way to do it, you know, yeah, like a yeah. kind of visual style. Um, Ralph Bayer, by the way, he's in a bunch of documentaries about games, but he created the Brown Box, which is essentially the original Pong, um, yeah, even yeah. before Bushnell and all the other people. So 
Uh, and yeah, they're definitely, that's a cool way to do it. So check out. Yeah, the book. it's great. I mean, I love reading about this stuff, but often it's like this really heavy, really intense kind of very like, you know, educational sort of uh, kind of thing, but like having it so approachable and so open. And so just like, like you just look at the pictures, you want to just pick it up and flip through them. I think it's great. I love the approach. And like you said, I would love to see this done. Uh, with other, you know, luminaries of the video game industry. I think it would be perfect. And let's preserve that history. That's All right. It. That was it. Blebs on a screen. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, throwing it back to you, Carlos. What's next on your agenda there? Uh, so I just wanted to let you know, as well as everybody else, that this game came out, and I'm, I'm really th- on the fence with trying it. I think I am going to try it. Uh, it's called King Arthur Knight's Tale. And if you remember, uh, it's a strategy RPG. I don't know if it's been on your radar at all. It's been on mine. Is this uh, from the same people that did um, that Warhammer 40K game, Inquisitor? That's exactly why I'm bringing ah, it up. Yes. All right. All right. So now Warhammer Inquisitor was uh, real time, right? Action. Like yes, it action was. Action RPG kind of thing. This is strategy, but it's so it's closer to XCOM. But you love XCOM. I love XCOM and I love Inquisitor and I love all those things. And, See? you know, I'm pretty neutral on Knights of the Roundtable. I don't. I don't particularly love them. I don't hate them either. So I'm I'm open to this. Like it's checking a lot of boxes for me so far here. Right, and the the King Arthur thing, I think it's just like a name, but like they're you're fighting monsters. You know what I mean? Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. As, it's it's like an game. RPG. Sure. So All right. I think, and the graphics look amazing. And I think uh, if I didn't do any research because I never do, but uh, it might be early access still. I can't remember if it's like a full release yet. But oh yeah, exits early access. So I think it's officially out now. Uh, which is always a funny transition. Okay, now well, the game is ready. You know, I mean, it's funny you say that, and we can talk about this a little bit later in the show, but, like, even when it exits early access, it's not really out of early access. It's, like, for me, anyway, as we always refer to, like, you know, six months afterwards, maybe, maybe even a year afterwards, that's when it's really done, done. So I'll, yeah. I'll check it out for sure, but I don't believe that it's done right now. Well, anyways, check it out either way. Uh, I'm interested, and again, we like where it's coming from. The developers of Warhammer Inquisitor, a game we both loved. So yes, absolutely love love that game. Yes, check it out for sure. Um, okay, back to me. Let's see here. Okay, so we talked about what was that game that you were talking about last week? The um, Peggle, not Peggle, but Peglin, Peglin, Peglin. Yes, yeah. that's what it is. Thank you. So we we talked about Peglin on the show last week, and listener Stephen Thompson Jones, uh, hello, Stephen. Uh, sent us a tweet either yesterday or maybe early this morning or something. And he was like, hey, you guys talked about Peglin, and I wanted just to throw out uh, this game called Round Guard. He's like, mm-hmm. I didn't hear you guys mention it in the context of that uh, of that discussion. And the reason for that was because I don't think that I had even heard of it. Carlos, were you familiar with Round Guard? I wasn't, and I saw that tweet as well, and I'm now I'm going <clears> to <throat> retype it into Google because I, I didn't check it out yet. I looked it up last night, or maybe it was this morning, and I, I, looking at the screenshots, I definitely had never seen it before. It was not familiar to me, but it looks kind of like Peggle, but instead of a ball, you've got a little circle-shaped character, but they also have like little weapons, and you're kind of like shooting this character around a screen. It seems like there was also level, uh, you know, level ups or some kind of power-ups, and it was also a roguelike structure. So it seems definitely like something that I would like to check out, um, and I want to say a big thank you to Steven for uh, not only for listening, so thank you very much. Uh, it always makes me feel good to see that somebody out there in the wide world is listening to our show, but also uh, for this recommendation. I love getting recommendations from people out in the audience, so uh, I'm going to check it out. I, I want to say that it's on Switch. I think it's on Switch. It's definitely on Steam, um, and so if you like Peglin or Peggle or if you want to try any anything along those lines, uh, Stephen Thompson-Jones says that Round Guard is where it's at. I'm buying it tonight. I, have, uh, I found out that I have the gift card for Steam, so um, it's $10 on Steam. I'm not sure what it is on Switch, if it's on that. 
That's not a bad price. But ten dollars not a bad price, and it's it seems like um, similar to Peglin in the fact that it's like kind of cartoony art, and you know more like friendly and funny than like you know heavy duty RPG. It would be weird if you did a Peggle game and the the graphics were like photorealistic. I don't you had, know. Like, I would like that actually. That would be kind of bizarre. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about that. But I think it looks cute and. Uh, and Steven says it's great, so I'm definitely going to check it out. Dude, I'm buying it tonight, so thanks a lot for that, Steven. Right on, um, right on. Back to you. On, on that front, I just remembered, we had another tweet from Intergalactic Geo. Okay. Um, and she was talking about Elex, because remember, Elex 2, where did that go, right? I, uh, I don't know what this this uh, tweet was. Oh, it was, it was me and Gaming in the Wild. And um, uh, Intergalactic Geo replied, and we were talking about Elex for a little while. But mm-hmm. yeah, like... They were saying, and I'm saying, that, like, I don't know. I, I kind of fell off with it. Like, I we loved Elex 1. We were, like, the f- biggest fans ever. And I think we were the two biggest fans the ever. The two biggest fans two ever. Biggest yeah, fans ever. exactly. And, um, yeah, uh, they were saying, like, tough, wonky combat. Uh, it's kind of weird. And I guess, yeah, for me, I'm just, I re- was reminded from that tweet that, like, I haven't went back to it yet. And that's crazy to me. I mean, the answer is two simple words, and those words are Elden Ring, dude. Like, I mean, yeah. I I 100% loved Elex. I got so close to finishing it. I think I just had a handful of missions. I was very excited to come to Elex 2. Definitely want to check it out. But, I mean, the fact is, uh, Elden Ring happened. And Elden Ring is really good. Um, we've talked about it on the show 94 times. Uh, we both have put, like, hundreds of hours into it. And it's huge. It's a huge game. It sucks up your entire life. And it's just like you can't focus on anything else. And honestly, I mean, I bought Elex 2. I have it, but I haven't touched it. And I'm planning on getting to it once, you know, I finished Elden Ring last week. And so I'm just like kind of like just decompressing a little bit, kind of like getting into a different headspace because it mm-hmm. just it just like was it was everything for two months. Right. So once I have have got my breath back and once I got my energy back, once I'm ready for another big experience, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. But Man, I got to be honest with you. Right now, after Elden Ring, I just I just want to play like little shorties and quickies. I don't want anything big right now. Yeah, that's funny. I did the exact opposite, which you'll learn about later in the episode. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, anyways, I'm I'm agreeing with um well, all the conversation that was on Twitter around it. But like I uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I've I've left it alone for a while, and there might be something to say about that. Like you know, there's there's a specialness that Elex One had, and sometimes you can't recreate the specialness. I mean, saying. that's very true. That's very true. I mean, I haven't played Elex 2, but if it's basically doing the exact same thing that Elex 1 did, I can see why maybe that didn't have the same appeal because like Elex 1 was like, you know, like you get into it and you're learning it and you're getting to know it and it's like exploration of what the content is. And then once you kind of get a feel for it, you know, that's great. But then you maybe don't want to do that exact same thing again. So maybe it's a case of that. Maybe it's a case of Elden Ring sucking up people's time. Maybe it's you know, just really poor release timing. I don't know. I mean, I bet in six months I'll be in the mood for it. We'll see. And it's that mixture of, not to go on too, too long, but like that mixture of, you know, what I always say, like, I want to play a game that's 60 frames per second now only, or or like, you know, the graphics should be a certain way or whatever. And like that thing is just old school, you know? It's still old school, even though it's a second game. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, not to, you know, uh, hamper it anymore. I, I still like it. But uh, the, one more thing I just want to say is Diablo, yeah. Diablo Immortal, uh, was a mobile game that was just going to be released on mobile only, but enough people went on the forums uh, and they were like, hey, we are dying for a Diablo game. Can you just port this to PC? Because if you don't, we're just going to like, you know, figure it out anyhow. So yeah. they said yes, which is like kind of incredible because obviously they were probably 
you know, created it on a PC anyhow. But so it's easier to kind of do the, I think the opposite. I mean, all you do is like push a button, right? Like you push one it button, just it goes one to button. mobile. Yeah, and you yeah, push yeah. a button, it goes to PC. It's one pretty button. simple. And there's a button for PS4 and yeah. PS5. Yeah. No excuse for these lazy developers. All you got to do is push that button. Just, just publish it. Come on, guys. Well, what I'm saying though is that is true. It's not that easy. But they did obviously create this mobile game on PC, right? Like you don't generally develop just for mobile. Right. Um, exactly. So I, I think, was being completely facetious, by the way. Yeah, nobody yeah, sent me, yeah. nobody sent me hate mail. That was a complete joke. Anyways, I'm excited. I actually signed up for the beta because I missed Diablo in my life. And yes, we can all have problems with the company 100%. But when it comes to the game itself, I just want to play something that developers, you know, want to make for me that they enjoy. And Diablo Immortal is coming to PC and mobile. So I just had to tell people that. And it's on June 2nd. So really soon. Excellent. Excellent. All right, cool. Um, any more housekeeping on your side? Because I've only got one thing left. Anything left for you? I just have one thing I wish to mention. NVIDIA Canvas. It's called NVIDIA Canvas. It, I posted on Twitter a bunch of pieces of art that I made with it. It's AI that helps you make art. Um, the best one is coming out soon. It's called Doll E2. And it's um, it's D-A-L-L-E2. You have to sign up for like a waiting list because it's like this insanely super uh advanced ai and so they're not just giving it to everybody that thing is nuts and i don't think i talked about it on this show before but just anybody go look it up youtube rad just later it's crazy what that thing does like you would type in okay i'll say it real quick you type in like uh teddy bears uh creating um teddy bear scientists and then you just type that in and then it make the ai makes a picture oh of yeah i've size. seen people post pictures done with that thing on twitter it's really Really interesting what that's come up with. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. and in that example, say you do that same thing, but you say, no, cartoon ones. So then it switches to cartoon. Cartoon ones, when the, the science experiments are food, then it does that. And it just doesn't get it wrong, which is fucking crazy. So the one that's out now that you and I and everybody can use, it's called NVIDIA Canvas. And it's very simple. It just does like scenery pictures. But what you do is on the left side, you draw... Like literally just a line. Oh, you know, I've actually tr- I've actually played with this. Did yes, you? I actually yeah, I did. Somebody recommended it. It was like six months ago or whatever. I downloaded it. Yeah, you like you draw a shape, and it turns it into like a light, like an artistic landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at my pin messages on my Twitter. O n a w a. I put up four that I made, and it's nuts. Like literally took like three lines for most of it, uh, and then I made an abstract one and stuff. So yeah, very cool. It's super cool. So that's my last thing. I will say though, we need to stop. We cannot push this forward anymore because I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there was a new robot from Boston Dynamics. It's got wheels and it jumps really high. It can parkour. And it's like, what's wrong with us? We we have made so many (laughs) movies about robots that turn on their human masters. And we are we are rocketing towards that future where we're going to have this artistic AI who thinks that we're not artistic enough as a species. They're going to implant it in this parkour body with wheels and they're going to come fucking kill us over and over and over. We got to stop. We've got to stop this bullshit. Please stop with the robots. Please stop with the AI. We we do not want that future. That's a funny take to be like, the robot's mad at your artwork. It's like, I don't like how you draw. <laughs> Look at me. I can draw a teddy bear anytime I want. Your teddy your, bear looks like shit. Your aesthetics are bullshit. Yes. Be- and because of that, you now will die. Yeah. We Please, people, please. Let's not do this. If If we take nothing else from Terminator... Let's not do this, okay? I'll, I'll say one thing that make you feel better. The the integration of the AI that we're talking about with an actual robotic, they're operating in two different worlds. Like Boston Robotics is not even touching AI. Believe it or not, 
you see that thing and it's like doing parkour stuff. It's being controlled. It's very, very simple. There might be limited AI that says like, you know, don't fall over and do these tasks. But to my knowledge, they're not like those two companies aren't, you know, mixing. They I could, mean, but they're not right now. All it's going to take is one creative person with a lot of money. You know, it's only, I mean, they're just about five seconds away from strapping guns to those dogs that they put out. And so oh, somebody's going to get some better AI. True. You know, I mean, it's like, we got to just knock it off. Okay, right. enough of that. Knock enough of that. Final piece of housekeeping. I just want to take a quick pause and give a quick, I don't know what I want to give. I mean, not a quick. I mean, I guess I just want to say, um, I guess happy anniversary to my wife. Uh, we just recently celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary uh, last week. So my wife, Gina, and I have been married for 17 years. And Jeez. it's been absolutely amazing. I, it's funny because 17 years is like a long time, but it doesn't feel like a long time at all. Like if you would ask me how long we've been married, I don't even know what I would say. But like it, it doesn't feel like a long time. And I mean that in the best possible sense where... I just feel like we are together and, you know, I love her so much and she's the best and we have such a great relationship um, that I feel like, I mean, it sounds kind of weird to say, but I feel like we're still kind of getting to know each other, but like in a really positive sense, like we're still having fun and laughing and being really supportive of each other and everything. And she's great. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to me. So uh, I am really excited and thrilled and ecstatic uh, to be celebrating 17. Um, and I just, uh, you know, couldn't be, couldn't be happier. So I guess happy anniversary to my wife. Gina for 17 amazing years looking forward to 100 more and uh, I guess that's it happy anniversary to her and me well congratulations but 100 more oh yeah absolutely at least 200 we're going to be like those heads oh uh, where it's like a head in like a glass dome with like a spider legs robot body yeah and we're still going to be like messing around and you know making jokes and watching shows together and stuff so well again I don't I don't understand what the word you used I don't I don't know a lot of those words you used Uh, happy relationship Um, did you say stable? If you did, I also don't know that. I mean, word. you could say stable. Sure. Throw that in there. <laughs> so it's awesome what, how you described it. So you guys are, are great for each other. That's awesome. So I, congratulations to you. Um, I will say this, speaking of like living for a long time though, there's a show that I'm watching made for love. I think I've talked about it. Oh yeah. We talked about it last week. Yeah. I yeah. definitely want to see it. And there are right now is minor spoiler. There's two AIs that represent the two characters in the in the show. And they're, but they're AIs. And now that's how you and her could be together forever. Just have to have your like consciousness uploaded. And then, you know, time is an illusion. You can just be yeah. there forever. That reminds me of um, Upload. Have you seen Upload? Yeah, I finished the second season. I love it. Oh, man, I love Upload. Yeah, that's another one too, where you, you die and then you get uploaded to this like AI, you know, heaven place. Although you got to like pay a bunch of money to stay there, which sucks. But interesting shows, interesting concepts. I'm looking forward to getting uploaded with my wife at some point in the future. Yes. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to like paying a couple a uh, couple bucks and getting those washboard abs I've been after all these years. That's That'll be true. nice. Kind of give myself a little upgrade. You can upgrade yourself. And you yep. guys will both be made for love. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Okay. I got nothing else for housekeeping. Carlos, you good? Nope. Let's do games. All right, let's move it on to games here on episode 283, The Strange Cast. Carlos, we're going to start with you. Uh, You're bringing a game to the show that I had literally no knowledge of whatsoever, which is always weird to me because I feel like all I ever do all day long, every day, is read about games, and yet there's always something I haven't heard of. Leave it to you, my good friend. Tell us about Thymesia, the PC demo. Yeah, and that happens for you too. Like you always, you come to the show with like, ah, I found this weird thing where you cook food, but also it's a sci-fi simulator, and <laughs> it's an RPG, and it's it's a Souls game. Yep. Uh, and I'm like, what? So yeah, <laughs> uh, 
uh, you know, Elden Ring we talked about, obviously. Uh, I keep going back, and I think I haven't been back for a week now, so I might be finally done done for a while. But, uh, you know, the weirdness, talk about weird cast, um, is that I got into the idea of, like, you know, being good at Souls games. I don't want to say being good because we hate that term. But, like, I just found the tricks within Elden Ring, and I it was exciting to, like, you know, play it and uh, and destroy. So because I was in that high, I was like, let me try some more Souls games. I tried a few, and this is another one of them. So this is a demo. It's up right now for Steam, and so you can download it and play it. And it looks great. And so what it is is a Souls game. I mean, there's a couple of things where people, you know, take the same Souls concept, but then they even take that thing when you die, the same lettering, you know? Yeah, like you died in the same like red letter with the, with the like kind of black um, line down the middle. I just mm-hmm. just make your own, you know. Like <laughs> that bothered me because like many things in the game do that, and it's like, well, that's just being them, you know. Right, kind of a little little too close to the source material. There. Yeah, I think so. In those in those kind of things, and the general gameplay is a Souls game. I mean, you're like any enemy can hurt you or kill you. Um, your character is this really interesting. I think we talked about it before those like old timey masks that people wear that look like the plague birds. doctor mask. Yeah. Yeah. And so like this is a world that has a lot of disease and you are basically fighting, you know, monsters and all sorts of things. But a lot of these uh, enemies have disease as well and you can steal the disease from them. Uh, I don't know what other games do this, but where you take someone's power and then use it against them. Man, wouldn't you just want to give them some antibiotics instead? Right. Instead, you're like, no, I'll take that plague from you. I don't think I want it, sir. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The plague is obviously just uh, an excuse to do another attack, right? That's all it is. So how does that play out? Like you steal somebody's power and then like what Like, what does that mean in gameplay terms? Like how does that work out? So the only way I did it so far, I didn't play a ton of it, is I, there's a, I think it's R2 on the controller, but like you hit a certain button. It's not really about attack damage, although I think it's a little bit. It's about stealing, you know, something from them. And so I stole something from a character. I don't. It didn't look like disease. I, you know, it just was something. Like energy or something? Energy, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, I hit the button. There's, like, one button that you use to dole that back out to the person, you know? Uh, dole that back out to the person. So I hit Y or whatever, and, like, I did a crazy new attack that I never did before. So and I that was think only, it's like that. It was only possible because you had stolen energy from this yeah. guy. So, like, stealing it enables you to do these extra attacks that otherwise are locked then? Yeah, exactly. And gotcha. then, although it was only once, and I was like, geez, I feel like I should have it for a little while, like a cooldown. But I only did, I was only able to do it once. I have to play more of it, so there might be more of that, but that mechanic is in there. Um, and also there's a range weapon, so everybody has range weapons, which are these little feathers you can throw, but I found them not helpful at all. Um, <laughs> I just like, I'm just trying to imagine like, me having a, a handful of like feathers and just like tossing the people. Yeah, I don't think that's very effective. I right. don't see how that would work. And I'm now saying it out loud. It sounds funny because of their feathers, but they they, they go like daggers, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, anyways, it's okay. Like my whole overall thing is it's okay. It's it feels like souls. I mean, the dodge, which I love dodges. Uh, the dodge is good. Feels good. Um, I, I'd say one little caveat that I realized about souls games and this game that I think is bullshit and probably why I've like I've always said, you know, bullshit when I talk, when I played souls games is that any enemy, like when they're getting hit, they can also hit you. Like, uh... I don't like that mechanic. Like, I think that's the core 
thing I'm upset about when it comes to Souls games because it happens in Elden Ring too, right? You're hitting this huge bird and yet it's now it's in, an, in a pecking animation. It's going to keep hitting you even if you hit yeah. it. Yeah, that's really the key, right? And we don't really talk about that and we haven't really delved into the mechanics very much, but I think that the priority that moves are assigned and also like i believe in elder ring it's called like the poise i think it is maybe is it poise yeah it's poise, maybe and it's I poise. Hate it. yeah yeah i mean that's really like a really super important aspect of the game that they don't really talk about and you know if a big creature has a lot of poise they're going to attack straight through you can't interrupt them but if you have a big sword and you're hitting somebody smaller than you like you will interrupt them because you've got more poise than they do i mean it's a cool system when it works but definitely when it's not right or if a game doesn't get it right like what you're describing here that sucks. That is a that is a big no no. Like you need to have some kind of way to like interrupt attacks so that like when you play you can implement your attack strategies. If you're just blindly whacking each other like that, that's no good. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm gonna go on record and this demo remind me of why I don't like it in Souls games. I don't like that at all. Like I don't even not one bit. Like I don't want that poise system. I don't want it. I think that's just silly. what what did you want instead? Nothing. Regular RPG combat. When you hit someone, they fucking get hit, and then they stagger, and then they'll get back on their feet, and then they'll so attack like a hundred percent poise for every attack. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That's how it should be. And by the way, that's how it is in the real world. You, uh, you know, know, I agree with you. I, <laughs> <laughs> if someone's whacks you in the face with a giant sword, you're yeah. probably gonna just pause for like a second at least. Yes, yeah. You'll be I like, agree. no, no, no. That's okay. Keep hitting me with your knife. I'm going to go through that attack and then I'm going to attack you because that's how things work. Yeah. No, so it's so funny that the demo reminded me of why, you know, this little teeny thing in, in gameplay that was interesting. So, yeah, it had it in the very beginning of the game. And so I was like fighting enemies and your character's like badass. Like, I'll say this positive is I like the art. It reminds me of uh, Bloodborne in its darkness and, you know, the plague and all that kind of stuff. So it has a Bloodborne feel, it's very fast. It feels very fun when you're doing well, you know, but when you're not doing well, I feel, you know, like I'm, it's a cheap move or something. Um, mm. And again, I don't think they're doing enough new things to make me like totally excited. But I thought yeah. I'd bring it up because it's another uh, Souls-like game. And I think they're doing some really cool things with the art and stuff. So That's really the thing, right? Like I find that a lot of people want to get into the Souls-like genre, but Souls is there and Souls is kind of at the top of the genre. It kind of reminds me of like um, Monster Hunter, where Monster Hunter is a is like it created the hunting genre, just like Souls created the Souls genre. They are currently the best at what they do. And a lot of people want to do that, but they don't have an original spin. They don't have anything really to say about it. So they end up just kind of copying it and like maybe making a copy that's not so good. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't really want to play any Souls likes unless they have something else to say or if they've got a new idea. Um, and a couple of them do, um, not, but not many of them. And a lot of times just playing an inferior copy, just like with the hunting games, I'm trying to think of another hunting game that's anywhere near as good as monster hunter. And I just, I can't think of one, even one. So, you know, if you don't have something really to say, like I would say, just, just don't even try, man. I would say, and to kind of piggyback off that, I think that they are doing things that are like, remember we talked about bloodborne nowadays, the graphics are in my opinion, unwatchable, you know? It's, yeah, it's difficult. Rough. And so this is a modern game and it's doing that aesthetic, but you can make out the graphics. So that's cool. And again, I like the art aesthetic. I like some of the characters and I like the idea of a plague stuff. You like plague's tale. I like, that, oh, sure. you know, oh, sure. the kind of dark world that they can create. I just, I got frustrated by the, the going back to souls combat, you know, I was right. like too soon, probably too soon. 
too soon. Okay. Well, that is Thymesia, uh, currently a PC demo, and I would have to imagine they probably have uh, their site set on console at some point. I would imagine it's got to be. And um, But yeah, I just want to probably bring it to the show because it's a demo, so go go try it. Go check it out. All right, cool. Let me talk for a minute about a couple games here. Uh, first one is called P3, letter P, number three, playing this on the Switch. It is a kind of a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up where you play like a little spaceship. Um, it's playing on the switch and it's got a really amazing aesthetic. That's really what caught my attention. It's kind of like a black and whitish, um, kind of low, like chunky pixel, kind of rough looking, but like all intentional. Like, I think it's extremely stylish. It reminds me a lot of, um, Downwell. Did you ever play Downwell? I did. It does remind me of that. I'm seeing the pictures. It also reminds me of an arcade game. Yeah, it looks like an old school arcade game. It reminds me a lot of Downwell, which I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where it really caught my attention. I was like, okay, I want to check this out, see what this is all about. So you're a vertical scrolling shooter. Ship is at the bottom of a narrow screen. Bad guys come at you from the top. And the, the gimmick to this game, well, there's a couple gimmicks. The first one is that you only shoot when you're moving. So if you are holding still, you are not shooting. There's no way to shoot. You have to shoot by either moving left or right. And when you are moving, that's when you shoot automatically. So that is already kind of a challenge. Um, you can hold down left and right together, and you will hold still, and then you'll shoot like a super beam. But then you're immobilized and you can't move because you're just you're planted where you are. So that is also another challenge to use your most powerful gun. You're kind of a sitting duck. So that's a very unconventional control scheme, which already has a lot of challenges built into it, as I'm sure any shooter fan can probably imagine. Um, and as you go through the game, there's different levels i mean obviously they start off with a big boss then there's a couple of different like you know patterns of enemies that come at you and stuff it seems like it's all kind of par for the course except when you get far enough you get like these roguelike choices of um oh okay you made you got to the next level would you like uh this laser that has to charge up first or would you like this gun with bouncy bullets or would you like uh one more section on your health bar mm. so i think that's pretty interesting and so you have to make your choices as you go forward um, I, you know, on paper, you would think this would be totally my jam, but ultimately I feel like it's really, 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 really difficult. Um, I did not make it very far and I got frustrated really quickly with this one. Um, I think the control system is just maybe a little bit too unconventional. I don't quite think it works in a way that my brain was able to wrap itself around and you die so often. And when you get back to the start, like you just lose everything. Like it's a cold restart. Um, I believe you can start from the most recent checkpoint if you want. But by that point, I mean, I don't know. It's like, should I maybe just start over? Like maybe I'm just not doing so well. It just was really difficult, a very tough uphill climb. So despite the fact that I thought the graphics were fucking awesome and I love just the, the vibe of it, uh, I did not play it for very, I think I probably put in like an hour and I was like, okay, I'm just frustrated. I mm. won't play this anymore. So it was a little bit too tough for me, a little bit, maybe too outside of the lines. Um, but a cool attempt. Um, and, you know, I appreciate when people do new things, but this one sadly was was a miss for me. And Pocket Gamer said it was beautiful, but hard as nails. It's really fucking hard. It's really hard. And I just after getting done with Elden Ring, I just don't yeah. feel like I really want to work that hard at anything right now. So maybe well, it's poor timing. Same thing with Thymesia. I, I was like, no, I don't want to I don't want to die a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. So that was P3. One more to talk about quickly here. It's called Wildcat Gun Machine. This is a top-down uh, twin-stick shooter uh, playing this on the Xbox. You are a woman who has a gun, and she is... A wildcat? No, she's oh. not. She's in a place, and I <laughs> try to... T- I don't even know where you are. In a space station or something? In a future level? I honestly can't even remember. It, was, it just was like a bunch of generic hallways is what it was. So she's in this place, and... 
you shoot a lot of really generic enemies that kind of just come straight at you. Um, you have one basic pistol, which is infinite, and it you know is obviously not great, just like a pea shooter. And then you pick up other bonus guns as you go through, and those all have limited ammo because they're much more powerful. Um, this is a real basic formula, super basic formula. The levels are not randomly generated, although it looks like they are because there's not really anything to them. You're just running down hallways, shooting these guys who come at you over and over and over and over. And you're not really picking up new guns at a very fast clip to make it interesting enough to have variety in the gunplay. Um, I found it was a pretty, pretty long distance between guns, like way too long for my taste. Other than that, you're picking up keys and like backtracking and unlocking doors. You're picking up armor to take a couple more hits. I mean, like there's not like a lot to it. The graphics I really didn't click with. I don't even know how to even describe the graphics. They kind of remind me of like flash graphics where you're looking at a flat picture of something and it's animated in such a way where it's like there's one joint at the shoulders and one joint at the hips and the arms and legs kind of move like little cutout paper paper dolls. You know what I mean? It's kind of like sense Castle Crashers. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit like that. Um, I, and also Nobody Saves the World, although we love that art. That was, the, I think. Yeah, the- that definitely had more of a style to it. it. This one, Wildcat Gun Machine, feels just very basic and generic there's not really i mean it kind of looks like they're doing like a low rent version of doom in a way where like all the enemies are kind of demonic vaguely Mm -hmm. um your person is just kind of just real basic and generic the only other twist to this is that if you i don't it's like i guess kill a certain number of enemies or something you power up a meter and then for a minute i guess you turn into the gun machine where you get like armor and you have infinite bullets for like i don't know 20 seconds or something to like get you out of a panic but it takes a really long time to build that up and I got to the boss, and the boss was just like an absolute bullet sponge. Like I was like, oh my god, this is like mm. taking forever. And I was already not into the game that much to begin with. I mean, real talk, dude. This is the kind of game where I'm like, and not to be mean, not to be rude or insulting, but it's like, why did you make this? Like, what was your what was your thesis in making this? Not right? to be rude or insulting, but why did you actually make a game? Well, I mean, okay, so like, let's let, just for a minute, like, the simple fact of making a game is very difficult, right? And just like writing a book or making a song or making a movie, doing those things is really difficult. And I think that you have to make those things to teach yourself how to do them. You need the experience of producing something, of going through the process. That's all amazing. But there is so much competition out there today. No matter what you're in, movies, TV, books, music, there's so much competition that if you don't have something that's dynamite, Mm -hmm. if you're just making a thing, I don't know that that's really enough reason to like release it unless it's got a hook or some kind. And I just... I fail to see what the hook here is. It is just, you know, twin stick, top down shooter 1.0. Like it, I just, I just don't see why I'm playing it. You know, mm. it so. seemed like in the trailer, they did they, I like the trailer where they show the cat, um, the yeah. actual real cat. Yeah. And then, and I saw a screenshot. It showed like something that you win is like a cat related. So I'm not, I'm, wa- I'm wondering how the cats come into play. There, there was a cat in the game. It was like, I think it was like a save point or something. I mean, whatever. It was just window dressing. Like it wasn't anything really integral. And I almost think they're using cats just as the hook. Right. Because people like cats, which is not a great way to put out your game. So, I mean, you know, not to be, not to be cold and brutal or anything, but like with so much competition out there, like you got to really have a cool, cool idea. And I just, I just don't see what the idea here is. It is just top down twin stick shooter period. And that's just not enough these days. So I, I played it for, I don't know, hour, hour and a half. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm good. And I, I don't need to put any more time into it. So. All right. 
Wildcat Gun Machine. There you go. Carlos, over to you for a game that I'm actually very interested in. We talked about it earlier in a preview sense. Um, I believe the game is out now, and I'm seeing a lot of people in my timeline talking about it in pretty positive sense. Trek to Yomi. Um, this is the black and whitish sort of samurai themed game where you actually surprised me by describing mechanics that I had no idea were in the game. So mm-hmm. now that you've put more time into it, I would love to hear all about it. Yeah, it is super cool. Now we can talk about it. I think it's going to Game Pass today or soon. Oh, really? I didn't realize it was coming to Game Pass. I think it's going to Game Pass. Yeah. Awesome. Don't quote me on that. I think it might already be up there. So go check for that. Um, And by the way, for you, uh, yeah, it's a highly recommend for me already. Okay, Um, cool. The preview, I couldn't really say too much. Obviously, I said I liked it in, in some sense. But this is a phenomenal game. And so I've seen a couple mixed reviews, and I think a lot of the only negative stuff to get that out of the way first is that it's short but you and i know, both know we love a short experience that is that is not a negative to me not no way no how neither of us and so with the amount of games we look at or play or, or just the amount of time we have in our life this is a beautiful thing it's a i think it's a work of art and it's over i didn't finish it but i'm again probably pretty close to the ending i think it's about five hours of a game so yeah that's great for me I mean, that's perfect, dude. A five-hour game, if it gets in, gets out, says what it wants to say, that's beautiful. It moves so quickly. And I'll tell you a little bit about that story uh, with minor spoilers just to kind of get people into it because I think everybody should play this. But uh, also, Flying Wild Hog is the developers. Um, I'm not sure what they did before. I was always going to look they, it up. Let me look it up because I, I know I know oh, that Shadow Let me look it up. Shadow Oh, yeah. That's, like, that's right up your alley. I know. Again, Shadow Warrior 1 and 2. I, I didn't like 3 as much, but... Um, and they worked on Evil West, uh, which I don't think I've played. Anyways, this is a black and white, like you said. Uh, now, most of the time, 2D side-scroller, but uh, when you're doing combat. But when you're not doing combat, you basically can look at uh, this game through many different angles. Uh, a YouTube uh, video um, that I always watch called Skill Up, his channel, he described this game as looking through scenes in a Viewmaster. Which Interesting. Is, yeah, okay. I thought that was a very eloquent way to put it because basically this game creates these these little moments. And so at times you're going 2D left to right to fight other people, like, you know, samurais. And then every once in a while, like I told you last episode, you put away your sword and you go to the next screen and it could be like Silent Hill or, or those old school games where it's fixed camera and you're kind of just like moving across the screen. Right. But the screen and all the angles are totally different each time. Like, and they're all artful and masterful and beautiful. And there's stuff in the foreground, you know, like blurred out. And one one of them times you're controlling your character and you're just like looking through a window. It's almost like you, you're you like the character, an NPC, like watching the action. So like every little scene is masterfully done. I mean, it could be the simplest thing, like walking over to a cart, but it's like a, a, a different totally angle, like a three quarters angle. And like there's fog rolling in and you can... You have to fall, like, go really, really far away from the screen, and then it switches angles, and now you're in, in, in the next screen. Um, it's hard to explain without just seeing it, but it's all these little vignettes. And so when you're not doing combat, like I said, you're just exploring, and, you know, it's limited. You're talking to some characters, and you're getting collectibles, and you're, you know, upgrading yourself, like getting more stamina, getting more health. And that kind of happens all along the way. But to our earlier point, it doesn't overstay its welcome because – it starts off when you're a little kid. It very quickly, I think in an hour or less, moves on to when you're grown up. Okay. And then you kind of like flat, get flashbacks of when you're a kid. 
and it's just doing all this like seamlessly like and it's everything has urgency i won't won't spoil the story but there's always like problems and the character's always running to go do something but you're just doing it quickly you're going around the corner you're picking up a new you know stamina boost you're going around the corner to pick up a health boost and you just you're getting better and you're like seeing more of the world um and then the minor spoiler is it there's some supernatural elements Okay, and I wasn't—I didn't know that going in, and I think it's good that people know that because it's not just like fighting other samurais. It's not just a straight-up samurai game. No, it, it, it. It, it takes a real fun switch all of a sudden. And you're like, "What's happening now?" And that was like an extra piece to love this game for. So I, I can't recommend this enough. It is a perfect little experience. I love that it's short. The combat, by the way, is a little basic. I mean, there's like combos. You're, you can block, you know, there's a strong attack, a weak attack. Uh, there's, like I said, there's combos. There's a bow and arrow, and there's some throwing knives. But in general, it's a pretty, you know, simple combat system. Uh, and there's bosses, too. So there are definitely bosses. And there's shrines that, like, give your health back, you know, when you're low. Um, I love this game. Great checkpoint system. Amazing art aesthetic. Like, I, one of my favorites. Uh, I can't ex- I can't explain how good it looks. It's just it's made it's made for black and white, or they call it grayscale, and you can just tell like there's silhouette moments, there's moments of the characters running by the, you know those like screens. You yeah. can just see your silhouette of you. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you're still controlling the character. You're fighting behind the screen now. So where where uh, <clears throat> Ghost of Tsushima added a black and white mode. This is the like the game that was built for black and white. Like it was meant for it. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. This is a beautiful, beautiful game. Man, that's amazing. Okay, cool. So I was, you know, like I said, I was seeing lots of people speak very highly, but I haven't seen very much criticism at all. Um, and I know, uh, you know, you were kind of into it last week or whenever it was we talked about it, and it seems like you're totally into it. So I'm going to have to add this to my list. It sounds like a winner. Especially if a game pass, you know, then you can just you know, load it up there. Uh, double winner. Double winner. And I'll say this last thing is the sound design is amazing too. Hmm. Um, like truly, if you put the headphones on, which you really have to, um, not just sound effects, but like a lot of this, a lot of the story is there's people are crying because a lot of negative stuff is happening. People are dying and it's like, there's a lot of crying, but there's, a, it's just so realistic. Like the, the people's voices, the, it's all in Japanese, right? So like, uh, it's subtitled, um, but everything is just like done so well, like raindrops and and weird, creepy sounds and bells in the distance. It just feels like you're there. Like the sound is another part of why this game is so good. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, nine or ten out of ten. Like it's just really, really awesome. Dang. Okay. Well, this sounds like an absolute winner. I'm gonna have to add this to my list for sure. This is Trek to Yomi, possibly on Game Pass, but I believe it's out on every console. And on PC right now, pretty sure you can get it anywhere, I think. So check it out. Sounds like a, sounds like a real good time. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Back to me here. couple words on a game called Adios Amigos. And AD, Adios is spelled A-D-I-O-S, all in caps, because it stands for something. I don't remember what it stands for. Good. This is uh, the most... What do you mean? <laughs> no, no, no. For? Like each letter, oh. like A-D-I-O-S. The, okay. Each one stands like a, you know. Yeah. But it's... What, is, what do you call that when you have that thing? Acronym. You have, acronym. Acronym. Thank yeah. you. Yes, thank you. Um, so, Adios Amigos, it's an acronym for something. This is the, the most recent version of a game that's actually been out for a while. I played the original version of this, I want to say, two, three years ago. 
Um, and it's I feel like it just pops up every now and again. Like the developers are keep trying to get it out there. It's a neat little it's a neat little game where you play a space space I don't know person astronaut of some kind and you have a little ship with you you are trying to get back home you're like lost in space and so your ship has fuel and it's also got health you yourself have health and also like a little energy thing and you get into these little um 2d galaxies where like you can see the galaxy map it'll be like a sun with like three or four planets orbiting and you can see like the little circle orbit of the planet and it uses physics. So like, you know, you jet forward in your little ship and you've got inertia. You've got to like figure out, well, if I jet this much, it'll push me past the planet. But I got to like come back and like, where's the gravity? Well, like you're always fiddling with like the gravity, trying to get like get to where you're going with like spacey, spacey physics. Um, but it ends up being a 2D game where when you get close to a planet, you got to get out of your ship. You can jump. You've got a tiny little jetpack, and you collect two things number one uh, more fuel and energy for your ship and for yourself and number two you're collecting like data once you have enough data by touching weird objects or lost technology or aliens or something you collect enough of those uh it opens up a warp to go to the next galaxy so basically you get into a galaxy you're dealing with the physics jumping around on planets you got to get enough energy to keep going and you have to find enough data to open up the next warp and ultimately i think you want to do like eight galaxy jumps and then i think you're home free i have never made it that far um but i think it's a it's a cute game i think it's kind of fun and right now with adios amigos in this most recent version they have added like a whole um you know multiplayer aspect where i think four people together can work to collect items and collect energy and to kind of support each other in this game i think overall it's a cool game but i will say um i really 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 don't care for the aesthetics of this game at all i wish it looked different than it does it looks very low rent um and it's almost like all the graphics are kind of placeholders and mm. i don't mean that to be insulting but i gotta just i gotta just be honest like it doesn't look great um screenshots are you know not very attractive and playing the game is just it's not a lot to look at and it's not very exciting to look at um so i don't care for the graphics very much and i do feel like honestly i feel like it's pretty hard um i wish it was a little bit easier or if there was more difficulty settings or something because i played it a couple times i played it with my son a couple times and we usually get you know i think the furthest we've ever made it is like halfway i think we've made it about four jumps in out of eight and we just like run out of energy run out of life and like we're just just not doing very well. And I just feel like it's very tough. So I feel like maybe the developers, um, I don't know what kind of place and testing they've done, but I, I feel like this is one of those games where the developers are really, really good at their own game and they have tuned it to be good for themselves. Whereas people like us who are just coming to it for the first time, or maybe haven't played it for a long time. I'm just not good at it, bro. Like I'm just not that good. And I don't know that I want to work that hard to get good at it. I want to kind of have fun, especially for a multiplayer game. You want to just goof with your friends and just have some laughs and stuff. Um, I feel like they could definitely ease back on the difficulty and just let us goof more, uh, not enough goofing going on. Um, so it's, it's an okay, it's an okay game. I like the concept of it. And, uh, you know, I like the approach of trying to get to the center of the galaxy or whatever, but it's just, it's just, it's just kind of hard and it kind of sucks some of the fun out of it. And I feel like this game should be more fun than it is. It almost looks like the graphics are kind of like claymation, but they're not, which is really weird. Yeah, it just it just doesn't look great. I just wish they would make it look a lot better, look sharper. I mean, video games, video, it's right there in the title. And I do really feel like art really plays a big role in, in keeping people's attention and getting them hooked and feeling connected. And it's just like, it just doesn't look great. And I just, for as hard as it is, and it doesn't look that great. And if you're not having fun with your friends, and I don't know, I feel like it misses the mark a little bit. But I feel like the core of it is really good. Just a couple tweaks 
and I feel like it could be it could get somewhere. And to be um, hold on to be forever yeah. optimist like I am, art is subjective though, because like there's definitely been times where you like are like that art is garbage, and I was like I like it. Very true. <laughs> so, Very true. You know, but I also don't like this art, so <laughs> I agree with you on this game specifically. All right, so that's Adios Amigos. Uh, let's next. Let's talk about a game that you actually brought to this show like a while ago, like maybe last year. I don't know if you even remember it, Carlos, but you brought to the show Rogue Lords on PC. Do you remember this game? I do. Uh, it's now it's on Game Pass, isn't it? I believe maybe it's on Game Pass. I'm playing I it on I, Xbox. Oh, I saw it show up somewhere. Maybe it was P- PS5, but um, I mean it is on PlayStation. It's on Xbox. It's also on Switch. So now is the console release of rogue lords which spent quite a while in early access and then it was released uh full version 1.0 to pc i believe it was last year i feel like it was a while ago like at least six months or maybe even a year ago i'm looking Um, up i'm looking it up yeah so this is a a deck builder roguelike uh where you play as the devil the devil himself and your characters are famous i don't know like monsters from history like you start off with dracula the headless horseman and bloody mary and the very next character you unlock is like the lady in white. So they use famous like literary monster characters or just, you know, well-known monster characters as your team. Each one has different abilities. Uh, Dracula, of course, has like, you know, life-sucking abilities. The Headless Horseman is like a really tough kind of tanky character, has big hits. Bloody Mary has a lot of bleed effects, as you might guess. Um, so you put together a team of characters, unlock them as you go. And it's a roguelike. So you do your best to make it make through a run structurally it's very similar to something like slay the spire and it's funny because slay the spire is a great game and i love it and um i think it's it's really really good ultimately it was a wonderful game but it's been so influential in terms of deck builders and any roguelike deck builder that's come after it i never would have expected it but like literally every game that's been put out since slay the spire has taken something from slay the spire and i feel like this game takes you know a pretty fair amount from slay the spire but in a good way um you go through these maps uh, you can choose which path you want to go. Sometimes there's a battle. Sometimes there's an item. Sometimes it's a heal. Sometimes it's a question mark. That could be anything, etc., etc. You get the idea. When you get to these uh, fights, I think they're pretty well done. Uh, number one, I think the, the art, speaking of art, as we have so much in the show, I think the art is really great in this game. It's really polished. Yeah. Uh, it, it almost looks like 2D hand-drawn art, but it's actually 3D models, which is really attractive. Like the animation comes through. It looks real sharp. Uh, it's got kind of a black and white-ish look to it uh, most of the characters don't have a lot of color but i think it really works in their favor like it's very striking well, there's a lot um, of red too there is a lot of red yeah. but black and white and red i think is a good combo it looks good um and the, the combat system is really interesting um where you have i think like six energy points per round and you can divide those up between any any amount of characters that you want in any way and so like one character will attack for two points one will attack for one one will defend for two you know as long as you've got ultimately spending six points per round you can do whatever whatever attacks or defense that you want whatever spells you collect items along the way uh artifacts that can like change things you also have story challenges where you'll happen across a villager and he needs help and do you help him or do you kill him or you'll come across a merchant and the merchant's got uh an artifact that he doesn't realize what the value of it is do you trick him or are you honest with him uh, or do you just kill him? You know, so you have a lot of story challenges that will uh, buff your character in certain ways. I remember liking uh, them, by the way. I mentioned that in my first review. Yeah, because yeah. It, it like really broke up apart like the thing that you said we've seen before, and I feel like those kind of little story elements helped a lot. Yeah, I, I love the story elements. I think that's really great. Um, I think the combat is really well done. Um, the only one thing that I will say that I find question mark about the combat, I I feel like maybe I don't like it. 
but also I fully admit that maybe I don't fully understand the the impact of it. When you're going through the battles, you can use like so let's say for example, Dracula has five attacks. He's got two scratch attacks, he's got a bad attack, he's got a scream attack or whatever. When you use those, they just like they are inactive once you use them and you have to like spend points to reactivate them. So I guess honestly, I'm not really sure what the value of that is because it doesn't seem like your enemies have to re re-energize their attacks. It seems like they're just attacking, attacking, attacking. So I guess I'm not sure why my characters have to reactivate their attacks. Like once Dracula has done his five attacks, he can't do anything. So you have to like take a turn to like recharge him, which uses some of your energy. Um, so it's not like you can recharge Dracula while somebody else attacks. Like you have to take that energy that would have otherwise been an attack and recharge Dracula so that he attacks next time. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not sure why they do that. And I've only done maybe... I want to say maybe three or four runs. I haven't beaten the game yet at all. Um, so I guess I'm still trying to figure out like, what is the value of that? Is it because the characters are too strong? Is there some kind of pacing thing that I'm not picking up on? Um, isn't so this, I guess I'm not sure. Uh, and a question for that. Isn't this the game where you also have to like divvy up, up, up your uh, action points with all the people? Like yeah, they don't have their yes. own action points, right? Exactly. Yeah, you got six for like your whole team. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that part of it. I don't mind that part so really? much, okay. but I do. I I am questioning why I have to recharge my attacks. That's the one thing where I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm gonna keep putting some time into it. But like, I like the combat so far. I think it's really well done. It also takes another cue. One of the best things that Slay the Spire ever did for the industry, and I hope everybody in the world copies this, is that they just keep the tooltips available because you can't remember every symbol every icon every little status effect like it's hard to remember all that stuff especially if you're not playing this game 24 7 so if you just mouse over one of these items it just tells you oh yeah this status does plus two attack or this status will make you lose a point or something like i love that it does that slay the spire did that perfectly and every game since then uh, that copies it good on you because having those tooltips available so helpful do yeah. not make me like go into a screen don't make me look it up on a wiki just tell me what the fuck they do so i appreciate that Overall, I think this game is great. I'm really actually having quite a lot of fun with it. I love the art style. I love the combat system. There is a persistent system where even if you lose, you earn experience that goes towards unlocking permanence. Uh, just unlock the first character, and then I'm unlocking a, a, a permanent power for her the next time. So even if you lose, and you're going to lose, uh, you still feel like, okay, well, I got something done. I got one step closer to you know, being a little bit more powerful. So I, I appreciate that very much. And of course... Um, the one thing that I didn't mention is like the game's big hook is that since you are the devil and maybe you'll remember this, Carlos, I was just going to say this, you, yeah. you forgot the main part that I like. I know. It. Right. Yeah. Like, like to me, that's not even the main part. And honestly, I don't even really, I don't even really like that part that much though. Since you play the devil, um, you have devil power. And what that means is like, you can basically cheat. So you start with a limited number of like, it's like a hundred devil points or something. And let's say that Dracula does his attack. He runs out of energy. He can't attack anymore, but you're like, damn it, if I could only attack one more time, I could win this match. You click a button that puts you into devil mode where Satan makes his power felt in the real world. And he just like recharges your ability. Um, and it costs a couple points. If you get down to zero, you lose. But so like you can do that. You can like recharge your abilities. You can take life away from enemies. Like if there's this guy who's just like a tank and he's got way too much HP, click into devil mode. You move the devil's hand over to that guy's life bar and you can like scratch some life off of him and make him weaker. Yeah. Or, you know, you can like you can affect different things. I'm having a little bit of a struggle with it right now. I know the basics of it, but like there's a couple devil abilities where I'm like they showed it to me in the tutorial and I don't remember how to do it. And I'm like, what what combination of buttons does this? I'm still trying to figure it out. I may have to do the tutorial again, um, but that's it's an interesting 
it's an interesting sort of a thing. Um, I don't know that I care for it because um, I feel like it's maybe one system too much. Like mm. uh, I, one, one person I was talking to put it this way. They said, if the devil power was just purely a bonus, that would be fine because then you could like use it to make it easier for yourself. But they felt like the, the game actually requires you to use the devil power uh, as one more resource to manage. And they didn't like that because it felt like it was just just like one extra complication on a game that already is complicated enough. Yeah. So I feel like I kind of agree. I don't think I feel like the devil power is a pure bonus. I feel like you do have to manage it, which I mean, OK, that's fair. They're 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 upfront with it. They let you know about it. They teach you about it. Spend a lot of time in the tutorial about it. So um, I'm still kind of coming to grips with like all the nuances of this game. But like so far, early impressions are very favorable. Love the art. I really like the the art style. I appreciate that there is some progression, but it's also kind of a roguelike. So each run feels a bit fresh. New characters to look forward to. I think I've got like maybe like six more characters to unlock, which I'm excited about. So um, so far after, you know, four or five runs, um, I feel like it's a thumbs up. I feel like it's pretty good. Well, good. Yeah, I mean, that matches my earlier review. I remember liking it. And again, I, I said the story bits and the devil bits, even if they're a little confusing, it's still like adding something different and kind of, you know, it's uh, what's it called? Fourth wall breaking? A little bit, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to literally take my cursor and just take away this guy's health or like take the stuff he has and put it to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's fun enough. I really like the story bits a lot. I really do like that mixed together with the combat. And the art it's style cool. is cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I'd put it like a solid seven or something. I, I had a really good time with it. I just don't... There, there are some things that are a little overcomplicated, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. First impressions are still good, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how it plays out. I'm definitely going to put some more time into it. Um, but so far, I, I like what it's doing, and I appreciate that they've got some new spins on the formula here. So that is Rogue Lords. It's on PC. Uh, it's also on Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation, and I believe it is out now. Okay, back to you, Carlos. Uh, you surprised me with this one. This is a, a show full of surprises. A couple of games I didn't realize, and uh, you've been dropping numbers. You've been you've been scoring games this show, which you don't usually do. So <laughs> I that's guess a I nice have. It's a well. surprise to, uh, cast. It's the number cast. Weird numbers, cast. The strange number cast. Yeah. Uh, Tales of Zestiria. I was like, wow, where'd this come from? I wasn't expecting you to bring this to the show. So tell us all about how you came to play Tales of Zestiria right here and right now. Well, uh, as you all know, who listen to the podcast, I love Tales of Arise, uh, the latest in the Tales series. Beautiful, amazing, uh, epic. It's one of my favorite RPGs. I think I said that in the show. Uh, it was in our top 10 list or whatever, you know. You were a big fan, I remember. Yeah. So I love that game for a lot of things it does. Now, I didn't play a lot of the Tales games back in the day. Uh, I played some, but um, I just looked this up on YouTube, and the YouTube uh, guy is called David V-I-N-C. He rated all of them. You know how they do that? Like, worst to best? Oh, sure. Uh, well, ranked list. Sure. Ranked list. I love those. I'm a sucker for them. Uh, there's 19 of them. Jesus. Now, to be fair, there's like five of those are like mobile, you know, just DS or PSP or, you know, not main consoles or something. Okay. I mean, I guess people are going to say that's a main console, but uh, a lot of portables, uh, you know, versions of the game. Small scale small versions, scale, not yeah. like big box games. Sure. Yeah, but uh, there's plenty of other ones. And so, yeah, I played some of them. And because I had so much fun with Tales and I was like so tired of Elden Ring and tired of dying a bunch. And uh, although nowadays I don't die at all because I'm fucking bad ass. <laughs> Level 238. Humble brag. Come for me, enemies. 
Hashtag um, what's up? Hashtag sometimes two, three thousand damage each time I hit someone. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's a straight brag. Um, yeah, so I wanted to go back to an old school JRPG. You know, I love Tales of Rise, and I was like, let me find a Tales game. So I started typing in Tales on my PlayStation, and it was on an Uber sale, the specific one, Tales of Zestiria, and it was like five ninety nine. And it's wow, like, wow, that know, is dirt cheap. Yeah, it's like a fifty dollars game or something. You know, it was like weirdly cheap. Wow. Okay. Um, Might have been ten dollars. I don't know. It was, it was either five or ten. And I was like, well, of course. So, uh, so I get it, and I learned that Tales of Basaria. There's a lot of areas in in this series. And tales, yes, tales of, and then tales of, yeah, and Ia, something Ia. or whatever at the end. But yeah. Tales of Berseria, I bought, and I have it in my library, and I never beat it, but I did really enjoy it. I don't know. I just dropped off because of reasons. But that game takes place a thousand years before Tales of Zestiria, the one I just bought. Are these all in the same timeline? I thought they were kind of like separate. Right. Are they all, so are they, they are linked? all separate, like Final Fantasy. Well, some okay. Final Fantasies. Sort of. Uh, but Viseria and, and Zestiria are the only ones that are related, like the mainly related. Okay. So it's just funny that I randomly picked that one that was on sale because that's the one that I have. I bought the, the version of the game before it. So long story short, I was like looking to the internet. Which one should I play first? And, you know, it goes back and forth, but they said that Zestiria was made first, like game-wise, right? So that a lot of kind of mechanics and stuff were like, that's the first time you experience in them. And then you play Berseria. Yes, it takes place before in the timeline, but it's, you know, it's just a kind of all of those systems improved, right? Just like gotcha. Tales of Arise is probably, I think, the best version of it still. So long story short, I was like, okay, I'm going to play this Zestiria and then go back and play Berseria. And that's kind of a... A lot of hours, like I said, um, not shying away from an epic game. And I'll say that, yeah, Zestiria, there's a little bit of age on it, but it's um, it's it's similar to Arise where it's like an action RPG, uh, but then when you get there, you know, you have NPCs who are doing their own jobs and you set them up to what they should be doing. And then you, when you attack, you can do a lot of that kind of auto, semi-auto attacking, mm-hmm. which was also in Arise. And I didn't... I usually turn it to manual but it's kind of nice sometimes when you're doing eight million battles right yeah, yeah you know yeah. and you just go like okay i'm gonna make it semi-auto and semi-auto in in zysteria and it might have been when they first introduced this concept is it like it chooses the attacks for you and you're just like hitting a button right and then you can like hit this l2 button and you can move around freely so you don't have to like it's it's not just automatically running for you too you can kind of like position yourself so it's almost like a uh, strategy game in that way. You're like moving to a place and then letting it kind of attack. Right, right, right. So right, right. I, I really enjoyed that system. I think was it Final Fantasy 13 did something like that. Uh, yeah, I think you. I, I think you're correct. Yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Like, hey, we're gonna give orders to things, you know. And sometimes it can not work out, but for some reason it works really well in this. So. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about it. It's old school JRPG. It's. Um, I think the main thing I want to bring it to the show for is. With Tales of Arise, I think I mentioned this, uh, and I'll mention it with Zysteria, and it's probably with Berseria as well. There's a few of these in the series where they really talk about racism um, yeah. and uh, societal woes and uh, you know darkness within man and woman, like just kind of when people get awful, this is what happens. And I really like that they really jump into that. Like... A JRPG, you're like, oh, no, it should just be a talking cat. And, like, you know, you ride a dragon or something. But it's really, these games are really about 
humanity. Now watch this, my real quick uh, uh, example of that in this game, okay? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm going to keep playing it, because it's not just about doing these, you know, action battles. But like, so there's uh, darkness in this world too, you know, malevolence is what that's called. And they go to a town and this one character you play as, you kind of a hybrid of, um, uh, not God or goddess, but like you have other kind of powers than a regular human. So you can see evil, essentially. You, see, you can see this malevolence. So you, okay. go, you go to a town, and people are, like, being shitty all over the place. Like, there's this little kid, and he's like, fuck you, old man. And he just steals something from him, and he leaves. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck have I walked into? And then you walk over to these other people. These guys are, like, just fighting each other. And they're like, you get out of here. It's, this is my thing. You know, just, like, evil. And you're like, fuck. And so your character can see that those people are monsters, like actual, like actual monsters. monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. the Malevins has changed them into this thing called a Hellion. And so you can't just like beat up a little kid. You know what I mean? Like you want to just like kill that fucking monster. But if you walked in the middle of the street and just killed the kid, that'd be bad. So wait, are they are they possessed? Or like it is actually a monster that is disguised as a human? It's the humans turned into a Hellion. And then the disguise is the rest. The rest of the people can't see how bad the person's got. So if you kill them, does it revert them to being a good human, or is it just like they're already a monster? Oh no no no! Them. If you kill them, you kill them. That's they're, okay. They're, okay. They've changed. I don't know if got you. I haven't got far enough in the game if this, they're going to do the thing where like you can change them back, you know. Um, but that's what I'm saying. It's kind of weird, and uh, you go into this town and you see these people acting awful, and it's again a beautiful metaphor. It's like they've changed, you know. They've become the full of malevolence. It's hard to get them back. A lot of stuff could be said about that, you know, people in this country with like conservatism and just kind of all the kind of politics and stuff like that. I'm, I'm and, sensing and, metaphor here. It's, it's tons of metaphor and it's beautiful. And Arise did it too. Arise did it where a, a whole town was full of this negativity and they literally turned into ooze. Like they like they died, by the way. It wasn't like they came back and is because of the negativity in, in a human. So. I'm bringing this to the show because I, I don't think people talk enough about what those these games are about. Um, yeah, it's fucking great. Like they really get into some heavy shit with a layer of JRPG. So Excellent. I'm gonna Excellent. I'm gonna finish Hysteria and then I'm gonna go right to Berseria, Uh and then I'll feel like I've kind of oh no, then I have to go to Tales of Vesperia, which oh is considered the best one in the in the whole uh, series. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's me for the next, I don't know, months and months. I'm gonna I was be, gonna say the next nine months you're gonna be doing the Tales series. I really am, and there's not a lot of a lot of you know epic games coming out for a while, anyhow. So that's all me. right. That is Tales of Zestiria. Uh and you're playing on what? PlayStation? PlayStation, yes. All right, excellent. Okay, one more game to talk about, and then we're gonna wrap the show. This one, very surprising to me. Came out of nowhere. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I, I got an email from PR and it was just this random cold call email. They're like, Hey, would you like to check this out? And I'm looking at this game. I'm not sure what to make of it. It's called ravenous devils. Have you seen it, Carlos? I haven't, but I'm typing it in. So I didn't know anything about this. I was not familiar with the developer. Uh, I did, was not familiar. I'd heard of the publisher, but I didn't know anything about this. It just popped up out of nowhere. It's on Xbox. I believe it's on PlayStation. Oh. I think it's on switch. It's I on know. PC. I know this. So, and I actually thought of your name. I don't know why, but for some reason I looked at it and I heard the subject of what this game is and I said, Brad. Man, yeah. So, Ravenous Devils. This is basically Sweeney Todd the video game. Uh, are you familiar with Sweeney Todd, Carlos? Yes, but there's an added thing that you need to tell them. It's 
the main thing. There's an added thing? What is the added thing? It's about cooking. Well, I mean, yeah, so yeah, sort of. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So, basically, in this game, Ravenous Devils, it's definitely like a very overt nod to Sweeney Todd. Uh, so, if you're not familiar with that, go ahead, Google it, check it out. But basically, in this game, you play a husband and a wife. Uh, you are coming to this new town to set up business. You just have fled the last town that you lived in. You've changed your names, resumed new identities, bought this new building, and you're going to set up shop here. The husband is a tailor. The wife is a chef and the building that they have is a four floor building in like old kind of like uh, oldie England, you know, like I don't even know, like way back in the word. I don't know. I don't even know what time period this is. I'm not an expert on English history, but like, you know, when there's carriages and stuff and when there's like lords and ladies and yeah. people dressed fancy and all that kind of stuff. A lot of fog, uh, a lot of fog, a lot of fog, a lot of fog, <laughs> a lot of fog in England. Exactly. So, uh, so basically uh, in this building, it's kind of like ant farm view where you have a side view. Um, there's a top floor where there's like a, uh, like an atrium. There's a second floor with a tailor shop. The ground floor is the restaurant and the basement is the kitchen. Uh, so what happens is you set up shop. The wife handles cooking. The guy does the tailoring. But as, as you know, if you know Sweeney Todd, this is all about murder and cannibalism. So what happens is it's kind of like a, like a little sim game where people come into the tailor shop. Uh, the, the tailor meets them in the back room. He takes their measurements and then he just like stabs the fuck out of them with his scissors and just kills them. And then he takes their bodies. He throws them in uh, this little trap door. The bodies clunk all the way down to the basement where the kitchen is. And the wife is there and she takes the bodies, hacks them up into like bits and bobs, hamburgers, lasagna, pasta, uh, pies, whatever. And she makes all these kind of foods with human meat. And then she sends them up to the main floor to be sold. So that's basically what you're doing. You're managing um, killing the people. Uh, the clothes that they leave behind, the guy resews and retailers and sells the clothes. You are chopping up the human bodies and you're making all sorts of different foods which have different price values. And then you're selling those in your shop. So it's all about a management sim where you have to like manage how many humans can you kill and then how, what food should you make, how much money can you get from which food you're making. And then as you progress, you like unlock different uh, different upgrades. Like you can unlock um, a little garden for your top floor so you can grow like potatoes and onions and tomatoes. So like add to your dishes to make them more valuable. You can eventually get like a helper who helps out in the main floor. He kind of runs the shop while you stay downstairs cooking. You can unlock. Um, so you start with a meat grinder to make hamburger out of people. But then you can also get a sausage maker. And then you eventually get a steak table, a steak cutting table. And let me tell you, Carlos. The animation for when you're cutting human steak is fucking gross AF, dude. Like, the dude. first time I saw it, I was like, oh, my God. I can't even believe that I'm watching this. This is gory, and I turned my stomach a little bit, dude. It was pretty intense. Well, this has got to be the strange cast because one thing, oh, this is a strange game, but also you're saying this so matter-of-factly that it's, like, making me <laughs> nervous. You're like, you know, then you made your hamburger from the person. Um, this is the grossest thing. and But no, is, no wonder yes, they moved yes. town. Yeah, so that's exactly it, right? They were someone was on to them. They had to change their identities, move to a new town. They set up shop. Um, so that so that's part of the game, right? Like you're killing people, you're making food, you're reselling their clothes, managing your store. But on top of that, there are also these little little brief story interludes. And I really feel like a couple things are kind of genius about this game. So number one are the story interludes, where every so often you'll get like a little cutscene where you'll be talking to somebody in the town, or somebody will come visit you, and you just like kind of interact with them a little bit. It's only like a minute or so, like it's very short. But I really think those help sell the characters quite a bit. 
and it kind of humanizes them a little bit and it kind of like gives a little bit more um, of a picture into like the world that they live in. Um, the other thing that I think is really brilliant about this game is that it's not very punitive. Um, so, you know, you can, you can do poorly in your shop. Like maybe you mismanage your, your stuff. You didn't kill enough people. You made the wrong food or whatever. Um, you're just kind of working towards things. Like you're not ever really punished. You're not really ever set back. Like you don't need to buy supplies. You don't need to like ever pay a penalty if you mess something up. And so I feel like, you know, in contrast to like what a gruesome, weird game this is, it's actually really relaxing because you're not ever really like, oh man, I screwed up and my game is fucked and now I can't get, you know, I'm stuck and I got to restart. Like, it's just like, I had a bad day. That's okay. I'm going to reset the next day and I'll just do better the next time. Um, so structurally, like it's just, it's very positive in that you're not punished and you can just keep working towards your goals. And if you have a real bad day, it's totally fine. You just try again the next day and it's okay. So for such a, a, a dark cannibalistic, like nihilistic game, I think yeah. it's strangely positive and strangely relaxing in some way. It's like the mechanics are super relaxing. It's, it looks like it's from the trailer and what you're describing. Yeah. yeah. But then like, yeah, the, the, I, I still don't think I can play it because it's like, I can't get past the whole, you're going to kill people and make the food out of them. Thing. Man, some of the some of the animation is pretty gross. Um, but I really liked it a lot. I mean, it's a small game. I think the whole game in total is probably like five hours, maybe four or five hours. Um, you can unlock most of the stuff through your shop, like you know, before you're even done with the game. Uh, there's other stuff you can unlock. There's a couple little bonus objectives, but it's a very small game. But I I feel like that was really good. Um, I tweeted about this earlier, and I said this was really the perfect game for me to get into after Elden Ring, which was so huge, so many options, open world, so many things to do, so many secret bosses. In this game, it's like it's just it's all right there. Like it's very straightforward. You're just making food over and over. You're you're sewing the clothes over and over. It's pretty repetitive, but I say that in a good way where I came to grips with it really quickly. I mastered it pretty quickly, and then it was about what did I want to do? Like how did I want to run the shop? And it was just a very small kind of capsule experience where I could jump in and it was relaxing and I knew what I was doing and I felt like I was making progress. And just from a structural design, I feel like it was really brilliant. They made a lot of really great choices. Um, so I liked that a lot. I thought the graphics were great, great tone. Um, the only thing that I will kind of knock it for a little bit, and not too much because I really think this game is awesome. Um, I will knock it for, I wish there were a couple choices. There were a few times when a story scene came up and I really felt like, okay, is it, am I making a choice? No. And then I was like, well, are they tracking what I've done? Is it perhaps looking at what I've done so far and then making the choice for me? And I don't think so. I think all the story is pre-programmed. I don't think that there are any choices, which to me mm. is a little bit of a bummer because I would like to play this again. It's such a short experience and it was so fun that I would totally play it again and make different choices if there were different choices, but I don't think that there are. So I feel like they missed a trick by not giving you more choices. Like for example, there's a boy um, that you meet. Uh, I'm not going to spoil everything about it, but let's just say that you meet this kid. He's kind of a street urchin sort of a guy. Oh, uh, do you make do you so, mix him up with urchins? <laughs> Is he urchin? I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything, right. but you can make a choice and you get an achievement. Oh, I, sorry. Let me let me let me take the back. You don't make the choice, but something happens to him that is an achievement, and I'm like, well. If that's going to be an achievement, I didn't really do anything other than play the game. I wish that it was a choice that I could have had with this virgin mm, kid. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to say which way that went, but it seemed like that would have been a really easy A or B, you know, C or D kind of a thing um, that wouldn't have been too crazy. Uh, but I mean, it's a small game. Seems like a very limited budget, but I feel like everything they've done here was smart. I feel like every part of the game works and it's not huge. Um, I would like to see a little bit more to it, but overall, I, I gotta say, I really had a great time with it. I thought it was so fun. Um, really gross and dark, 
Uh, I appreciated the theming of it and the mechanics were great. And just overall, oh, and the best part, this game's five fucking dollars, dude. Yeah, it's five bucks. It's good value. It's so cheap. It's like, I mean, I this is probably one of my favorite games of the year so far. It's so weird and so gross, and it was so, um, I don't know, like charming in a way in terms of game design. How it just felt really welcomed to play it. Um, and if you don't have a problem with the subject material. I feel like super positive experience. I'm going to, uh, I know I didn't play it, but I'm going to say, uh, something that you said earlier in the, in the show, like it, you, you wonder like why someone made a game. Yeah. Like I'm, I wonder why they picked this specific, uh, topic because from the art, beautiful from your description of the gameplay, I'm sure I would love it. You know, short experience also love it. Uh, yeah, no choices. It's fine. But it looks like fallout shelter, by the way, that's another a little idea. bit. Yeah. The side view, the ant farm. View, um, yeah. So all those things are great, but I don't want gross in my life and I don't want cannibal stuff in my life. So I, <laughs> I 1000% won't play this. And again, that's a, that's that thing of like, what's the choice behind this? Because, uh, I don't know. I mean, what's that demographic for like people who really like cannibal games? I, I think I it's mean, gotta it's, be low. <laughs> it's probably pretty low, but I mean, to me, the hook is like, it's a dark subject matter. Like it's darkly, I mean, I feel like there's some societal comments um, I feel like it's definitely offbeat, right? Like it's something that's really, really dark. It's not something that you get all the time. So that in itself, I think, is a little bit of a, a worth a look. Uh, but I feel also like their take on this this kind of like management sim genre, like you also do some cooking and stuff too. Uh, you know, mechanically, I didn't really talk about this, but I feel like their system of how they designed the game, switching the cursor between multiple floors and being able to manage different things at the same time is really well done. Like I was able yeah. to without a mouse, like using controller navigate through this. And I feel like structurally they had some really brilliant um, breakthroughs here where I feel like other games could take some lessons from what this game is doing just in terms of how you work the mechanics. How do you have three different characters on three different floors doing the same, you know, doing something with, without a mouse. Um, I feel like that part came really well. So I feel like in terms of that also really successful. And for me, I'm always in the market for an interesting story that tells itself in a short period of time, um, you know, in and out in five hours to me, I feel like this game was worthy of existing. I feel like it's great. I had a wonderful time with it. And yeah, it's it's gross. Uh, and even, I mean, God, the steak table, dude. Like, do not Google the steak table if you don't want to puke. No, I'm not going to. Um, it's pretty harsh. But I feel like overall, uh, great stuff. I loved this game. I'll let you, you know, I'll let it, the, the resounding from the So Video Games podcast message be that people should check it out. But I will say that it totally looks like, especially from the art, that it should just be a vampire game. Like, it just feels like, Oh, they're vampires and they move around and they, yeah, eat people, but maybe they don't cook them up into hamburger. They just like, you know, drink their blood. Yeah. I know that's like, you know, very small differences, but um, yeah. Anywho, Strange Anywho. Cast, Strange Game. Strange Cast. I love Ravenous Devils. Love that game. Had a great time with it. Finished it. Loved it. Loved it. Okay. A- anyway. Asterix, Asterix. Sweeney Todd, the, the movie, the Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Uh, it's called The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Of Fleet Street, yes. I feel like I watched sections of it. I don't think I ever watched it all the way through. And I love, you know, obviously Johnny Depp's in the news right now. Won't go into that. But uh, it says in the description of that movie that it's a legendary tale of a barber who returns from wrongful imprisonment, uh, bent on revenge, and resumes his trade while forming a sinister partnership with his fellow tenant, Mrs. Lovett. So it sounds like a totally different type of story like the sweeney todd thing is is not just about cannibalism right i mean she makes the pies out of the bodies in that movie like he kills oh. them and she makes the pie so it's basically that exact thing uh, so. that's where the connection is okay <clears throat> yeah all yep, right yep. i'm not gonna watch that either 
Good stuff, though. Good stuff. All right. And that is Ravenous Devils. And this is a show. Uh, As always. No, 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 no. I'm going to do this every time now. You got a surprise? Real surprise. Queer Cook surprise game. Extra surprise. Super fast. uh, Because I never play. I play uh, a few games on mobile. Uh, and I just like stick with a th- like three, and then I just play only those three. But I picked up a new one just because it's of the Mana series. Echoes of Mana came out for mobile. Never and heard of it. Tell us all about it, sir. Just real quick, because we don't have a lot of time. But it's it's uh you know you hold your phone sideways, whatever that view is, right? Uh, so it's not top down, uh, or whatever they call it. Why am I not thinking of the words? It's the end of the podcast. Uh, you know, it's horizontal. Yeah. So it's an action RPG, like it's it, in, in a some sense. You play as a character. You got to go just like a lot of the mana games. You have to find a sword, and you know save the world or whatever. Uh, but basically, you recruit NPCs, similar to like a Genshin Impact or something. You can like unlock characters, which is fun. Uh, the gotcha kind of element. But then when you're actually playing the game and doing the combat, you're going left to right, you know, with your thumb anywhere on the screen to your uh, your left, and then there's a series of buttons on your right hand corner. And there's a power up. There's you know special moves, uh, combo moves, all that stuff. And it is all pretty intuitive. And the animations like you know simple 2D colorful art. But it's super addictive because like they did a really good job of like the monetization is just there, but it's not like in your face. You can like play and you don't really. I haven't run out of energy or all that bullshit. You know, coins or rubies or anything. Right, right, right. I right, just right. feel like I'm just playing and. Uh, yeah, I can get better, and I've, I've lost a couple of battles, but there's all these little short uh, vignettes, and those are the levels you're in. And so they have, like, you know, dialogue, and it feels like a JRPG. And then you do, you know, these little missions. So I, I, it's great. Like, it's fucking great, and I, like, had no idea. And you know how much I love action combat in the Mana series. So if you like the Mana series and you wanted to play a game on mobile uh, that was that style... It's pretty damn good. All right. I just thought I'd mention so, it because I, I, you know, I don't play. I play like four games on mobile. I mean, I play one game on mobile. I mean, we we kind of have looked at mobile a couple times over the years, and every time we look, it's just like a big cesspool of garbage. So to find one that's worth talking about, I think is is excellent. So Echoes of Mana seems like a win. It is. Check it out. All right, check it out. All right, check folks. Now that now that is for realsies. That is for a show. Yeah. That's it. All right, folks, as always, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at SoVideoGames. But you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? TikTok, Carlos Rodella, R-O-D-E-L-A. That's it. That's it. All right, excellent. As for me, same as always, Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 283. Thank you again for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast. I mean it. I really do. And we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Bye from Carlos. But I don't know if it was strange enough or weird enough. I feel like we should say one last thing that's pretty weird or strange to make it the weird, strange cast. I mean, have you ever taken a bath in tartar sauce? No, have you? No, but that would be weird. Oh, I thought I was hoping you'd say yes, you did. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.